company health is characterized by uncommon levels of discipline, courage, persistence, and common sense. Hi there, this has been Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and so glad to have you here today. Today's going to be a little different episode. Did one of these a few months ago and had some really good feedback on it. So I go to a lot of events, as you probably well know. You've heard this before. Not if not your first time. And if it's your first time, welcome. Good to have you here. So I travel a lot. I speak a lot at a lot of different conferences. And occasionally I run across speakers that I'm really interested in hearing. And actually earlier this year, I was able to hear the... VP of employee experience at a local company. This uh, woman I highly respect. I followed her throughout my own HR career, kind of watching her and observing her and, and seeing her as a kind of a mentor from afar. And she actually got up on stage and shared some of the lessons, some of the ideas, some of the tactics and strategies and tips and all those good things from her experience leading the HR function at a company that just for the multiple time won the best place to work in the United States not just in our local area they've won that many times but in the United States as a mid-sized firm they're number one and so we're gonna hear some ideas and some tips and some pointers from that talk that Juanita gave her name is Juanita Phillips actually so make sure she gets full credit for that we're gonna hear from some of those ideas and things that Juanita shared I will drop in a comment here and there so I'll play a little bit from that talk where she shares one of their their ideas their points one of those things they don't give you a little bit of something to to kind of chomp on some actions to think through coming out of that so this would be a really good episode if you've got a pen and paper handy grab that make some voice notes with your phone whatever you've got to do because she'll give you some good ideas on what it takes what it looks like how to approach it and let me i'll give you a little spoiler alert here the very first thing that Juanita said, I didn't catch it on the recording, unfortunately, because it would have been perfect to play it and start off. The first thing she said was, do not try to be a best place to work by copying us. It will not work for you. Just like you can't go and copy the things that other companies do that make them great. You can't copy Google stuff. You can't copy, um, you know, Zappos used to be like the, the pinnacle of what culture looked like and why everybody wanted to be like in terms of company culture. And the thing is, you can't go in there and just do the exact same practices they're doing and have the same results. It comes down to the values, the industry you're in, the leadership you have. All those things factor in. So it's slightly different looking at every company. There's your spoiler. You can't just make a list of all the stuff she's doing or they're doing at their company and, and walk away with the game plan to success. However, the principles that she shares are very, very much deserving of uh, your attention worthy of note and something that I would highly recommend. It, a lot of it's echoed back some of the things I've shared over the years about how I practiced HR and how I approached this when I was leading the HR function at a, at a company years ago. And so it was so much fun to hear from Anita. Again, someone that I very much respect. I can't give you the entire interview. Uh, the audio is not perfect for all of it, but for the pieces I'm going to share with you, it's going to be hopefully as meaningful and impactful for you as it was for me getting to hear her share this this kind of culmination from many many years of service and just a, a really great job she's been leading that function at that company for the last i believe 13 years now just to give you an idea of how far back that goes and they love her um, the employees are, are thrilled to be there obviously that's why they're winning those awards and so we'll talk about those things and and what it takes one of the things I'll, I'll tell you, because in some of the comments, she mentioned things like being a government contractor, we can't do this, or we have more strict regulations. I worked for a government contractor in the past, so I know exactly what she's talking about, and it was totally resonating with me. But for those of you that aren't in that space, government contractors have a different way of doing business. The government tells you what you can pay people. 
the government tells you um, the limit on how much benefits you can offer them. Basically, they they limit a lot of the things that you can do. You can't just do like Google and have you know free lunches for everybody and all these other cool things. They limit those things and the ability to just spend money freely on the employees because if you if you have a you know your benefits package is twice as rich as the next company guess what you won't win the contract because the other company is cheaper so they'll win out so it's not always on price but there's a lot of things that wrap into that so again we'll go through this you'll hear about you know if she mentions being a government contractor that's one of the things she's talking about we're limited in what we can do or what they can do in terms of their pricing in terms of their compensation in terms of cool perks and benefits and things there is a limit to those things they can't just spend freely there because they 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 can't justify that back to the government when they get an audit or something like that one of the other interesting pieces of it is everybody has to track their time their hours even if you're a salaried employee right you're you are exempt you still have to track your hours because the government wants to see a record of the time you're working and prove that you're actually doing the things you're doing Again, just kind of a weird nuance from some industries that aren't used to that stuff. So just a, a little bit of insight there into what she talks about. If she mentions government contracting, you've got that. So again, I'll, I'll transfer it over to here. We'll hear from Juanita. I'll pause. I'll jump in. I'll add some commentary for a little bit, then bring back in. I think I have five different clips from Juanita, and they're all fairly short. But it'll there's some really interesting, hard-hitting stuff there, so I can't wait to share it. Today's episode is sponsored by People Strategy. From intuitive, hire to retire HR technology to comprehensive benefits consulting and HR services, People Strategy offers employers a single source for the tools and services necessary to attract, manage, and retain talent. They're a full service broker, and People Strategy works with clients to identify competitive benefits packages to meet the needs of their employees, the families, and their company's financial obligations. They also provide clients with a technology suite to simplify recruiting, hiring, onboarding, payroll, payroll tax, open enrollment benefits, and more. One provider, one price. Let People Strategy help you develop your people strategy. We appreciate them for support. We're only human. And now, on with the show. It's not like a hotel where the lobby is just fabulous and so impressive, but when you get to the rooms, they're just rooms like every place else. That, that it really is fabulous all the way down to the last detail. So you have to have that in mind as your goal when you're trying to determine what you're going to do if that's the outcome that you want to have. So what's an example of that, right? Down to the smallest detail. I actually know an example from Intuitive. Uh, funny enough, I heard them share about this last year. So it's a good kind of top of mind example of how they focus on, even to the smallest detail, making that a good experience for people. So they actually, a couple years ago, Juanita is very much in tune with the legislative affairs, the different things that are coming out of the government legislatively that affect the HR practice, the HR function, and again, her employees. She cares about her people and it really comes out. So she spends time following those things, making sure that she's on top of them. Well, there was a law coming out a few years ago that was going to affect how employers can pay for a certain employee benefit. And I won't go down into the weeds there, but they were they were paying for an employee benefit and the government was going to limit that benefit they could offer their people. When she looked at their population to figure out who'd be affected, more than half of their employees were eligible for that benefit. And so she realized this was a big deal. So what she did is instead of just waiting to see what happened and then telling the employees after the fact, well, sorry, here's the the news, she actually told the employees, this is on the docket. This is a potential change. This is something we want to continue offering you, but we will not have a choice if they make this decision. So here is your legislator, your uh, your representative, you know, your senator. Here are the people. Here's their address. You can write them a letter. You can send them an email. You can call them. Here's their content information. We are doing this as a company, but you can do this as one of our employees as well. And so she shared that detail with them so all those employees knew, hey, 
regardless of what happens, Juanita and her team are going to bat for us. They're trying to support us. They're trying to take care of us, even though this is something they have no control over. And so ultimately that was made against them, you know, not in their favor. But when the employees found out that news, that wasn't the first time they heard about it, right? That wasn't the first time that they found out that, oh, I'm going to lose this benefit. They had been prepared for that mentally because Juanita told them up front, we don't control this. We want to help you. Let's find a way to make this happen. So that's an example of like a tiny detail, pretty tiny, right? This is not a, this is not a make or break benefit for these people. This isn't going to make them quit the company or it's not going to put their family in an undue hardship. It's just a, a perk they were getting from Intuitive. And so it's an example of how we can focus on the details, focus on really ironing out those specific things, being squared away from the HR function perspective and how we deliver our service to the organization, to its people. If we have those things squared away and care about the, the details, the rest of the things naturally follow. Back to Juanita. Another thing that we really, really value a lot is the credentialing throughout the company. So, you know, all of the certifications that people have, all of the, you know, letters behind their names, all of these trainings and things that people have, big, big deal to us. So we try to look at, okay, here's where we are right now. How many more of this would we like to have by this time? How much more of this would we like to add by this time? And then how are we going to support that? How are we going to cause that to happen? How are we going to provide the opportunities so that people accomplish that and so that they see why that's a good thing? We work on all those kinds of things. And those, those things are very, very uh, productive for us. One of the things I love to share in the research is that the number one thing, the number one factor around employee retention today, in the last couple of years, it has been development, development opportunities. We actually did some research earlier this year. Here's your fun tidbit around reskilling and upskilling. And we asked employees themselves. We asked the learners themselves, how many of you have left a job because you did not have enough development opportunities? You didn't have enough career growth. You didn't have enough opportunity to pursue bettering yourself. 75% of those people that responded said, I've left a job because of that. So three out of four of you that are listening statistically have quit a job because you saw no no path ahead, no opportunities to grow and develop and improve yourself. However, when we asked them, would you have stayed if those opportunities were present? 95% of those people said they would have stayed. 95%. I'm going to go out on a limb here as a, as a research nut and say that's virtually everybody would have stayed. You know, other than some extreme circumstances, almost anyone would stay with your company if there was development and there were opportunities and they knew what those were and how to pursue them and how they were valued by the company. That's one of the things I think in Juanita's comment here that was really intriguing is she said, not just we support this, you know, go do it if you want to do it. But they actually said, how can we make this happen from a company perspective and explain to people how this matters in the big picture? You know, Five years from now, here's where we see the industry going. We are going to need more of X's than we have today. We need people in our organization to step up and say, I want to be an X. Okay, you want to do that? We're going to develop you into that role. Great. People want to feel like there are opportunities ahead of them. Obviously, the stats, the research, all those things show that. And helping them to see the vision for why it matters, helping them to see the vision for why it is connected in and how it's connected into the big picture is a hugely valuable tool. And yet it's so underutilized today. So we've got to help them see the vision for where their skills fit in into the future of the business and also how we're going to help them get there, right? They've got to take some burden on themselves. Yes, we can't just throw a bunch of courses at the employees and say, okay, you're good now. That doesn't work, right? 
that doesn't help anybody saying okay now we have an additional 10,000 courses in our LMS and our library now you can go take all those 10,000 courses that doesn't help people that doesn't inspire them inspire them and the development will follow we spend a lot of time and thought and effort on hiring and uh, you know the, the the saying that we hear all the time about that is that the very best way to deal with a difficult employee is don't hire them um, best advice that uh, that you can have don't hire them so you know our model is a little bit different our model is that we're not hiring somebody to do a job we're hiring somebody to be part of the company in a bigger sense and we fully expect they'll probably do lots of different jobs so when you come at it from that angle hiring is very very different it's a very different kind of decision um, you know the the can they do that work is a given um, that's not what the decision is all based around so it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of thought a lot of effort a, a lot of very conscious putting into it how we're going to do that in order to try to do that well oh i love that i love that so let's take a look at that really that first part of this conversation a little deep more deeply so the thing that she said if you missed it that's a quotable quote there you don't <laughs> you don't hire a problem employee if you don't want to deal with them all right, and I know no, none of us start out to do that. None of us set out to do that. But a lot of companies hire fast and then struggle. They're like, oh, we've just got to get a butt in a seat. We've got to get a warm body. We've got to get someone in. And I understand there are some roles, some positions, some industries where that truly is the case. Right? We need someone to just sit here and do this thing because we can train them in about three hours to do this job. We know they're going to stick around for two months and we'll hire someone else after that. That's that's a reality. Right? But if you're hiring someone for a more professional role, someone that is paid at a higher rate, someone that has a higher level of responsibility in the company, you can't turn them over quickly because it costs too much money. It costs too much time and effort and money to find them, hire them, onboard them, and then to turn them over and have to replace them all over again. So there's too much wrapped up in that. So how can we do a better job of making sure we're hiring those people? One of the other things here that really sticks with me years ago I heard this and it's still true today it still rings true in this conversation I heard a gentleman from another city who had won their best place to work in that area multiple times and his approach was you don't create a best place to work you defend it you defend that you create something that's that's honorable and special and and wonderful in terms of a culture and a, and a company and the flow for the people that atmosphere people want to be a part of you create that and then you protect it you defend it you fight for it at all costs to prevent people from getting in there that are not going to work um, in line with that they're not going to fit that they're not going to support that in the right ways so i love that approach i love their kind of perspective there and that fits in here as well one last thing i just realized from another yet a third third and final I like threes the third and final uh, company is one of the best place to work in Nashville um, I think nine times in a row now this other company and one of the things that they're very specific about is their hiring process takes a very 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 long time they're really specific about the kind of people they hire again if you're hiring as the admin at the front desk they'll probably let you in with a few interviews but the higher up you go the highest levels of leadership it requires 10 to 12 interviews and again, that's outrageous. That's a little too much, right? That's for them. It's working. Obviously, they're they're happy about it. It's it's fitting them and their needs, and they're they're obviously winning for it. They're growing like crazy. They're winning these awards, things like that. But there's there's a reminder there that kind of tips through all three of those things. That cuts through 
every one of those examples, every one of those companies, hiring is critical. It is key. It is not a thing that you can hire them and fix them later. You've got to hire the right person or you're going to be starting, not just starting from zero, but you're going to be taking a step back when you hire the wrong person. All right, back to Juanita. And then our managers are trying to help everybody be excited, not just about what they're doing, but about what the whole company's doing, about what we're doing in the community, about our reputation, about everything about us. They're trying to help each person be excited about that. They are trying to network outside of their own group within the company so that they know what the whole company's trying to do and not just what's happening in their group. They are trying to um, motivate through hope and not fear is the way we put it. We are not a, a you better, you know, or else kind of company. We don't do that. Uh, they are trying to utilize the strengths of the individual to lift the whole group, not just use them to lift that individual. That's a different approach. And also, success for a manager in our company is when their employees have been made ready when their next opportunity comes along. Oh, I love this one. Goodness. So the research says that approximately 70%. 70%, the, the majority of someone's satisfaction and engagement at work is not because of the cool HR programs or the the free, you know, free commuter benefits or all the other cool stuff, the ping pong tables, the beer in the fridge, those things like that. 70% of someone's satisfaction at work is dependent directly on their relationship with their manager. So I love that wanting to dove into the manager piece of that because that's such a critical part of this puzzle. HR can do cool stuff, right? We can have great leaders, we can have a good culture, but if the manager's are terrible then the employee experience is going to be terrible overall so i wrote down three things as i was listening to wanting to share three things that managers need to be need to be doing in order to be successful at their company and again possibly at your company too so the number one they're connectors they connect the people with the big picture vision of the company the direction the strategy they excite them they are in charge of exciting the employees about what's going on they don't say well communications will do that or hr will do that or someone else will do that it's about the manager creating a better line of communication between what's happening at all levels of leadership and what the employee needs to know, what the employee needs to get their job done. My brother actually is working for an organization and he said that right now that's one of their biggest struggles. They, he said, one manager tells people everything, even things they probably shouldn't. The other manager on the other end of the spectrum tells people nothing. And so they have no idea what's going on. They're all kind of worried and scared and concerned. And then, you know, their manager somewhere in the middle on that spectrum that share things according to their own kind of uh, determination, what makes the most sense to share those things out. But in this example, right, from Juanita's perspective, it's about connecting those people with what's going on. Number two, they're motivators. We motivate through hope, not fear. We are not a... We're not telling you don't do this or bad things happen. And I love that. That was one of the very first things I ever wrote. One of the first things I ever wrote when I started blogging 10 plus years ago now, which seems like a long time. I say it like that. When I started writing, one of the first things, experiences I had getting into HR was I sat through a new supervisor training with our other new managers. And that new supervisor training was an attorney video DVD series. I remember cassettes back then. Anyway, um, your VHS. I mean, not cassette, but the the band, the uh, video. You're sitting there watching, and for three days straight, we're watching four or five hours of video a day. And he says, "Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's a scenario where bad things happen. Here's an example of another bad thing. Here's how you can get sued." And when it finished, like, okay, now you're trained to be a supervisor. And I raised my hand. I said, "When are we going to learn what we should be doing?" 
<laughs> right? What are we going to learn? We're going to learn the things we actually aspire to instead of just setting a minimum bar and saying, don't go below this or bad things happen. Okay, right? That's, that's motivating my fear. What if we motivate by hope? Hey, let's get above that bar. Let's do these things that are that we can help you to aspire to. We can help you to be a better leader. We can help you to be a better person. Right? Let's let's make a positive impact on the world through our people by approaching this the right way. So I love the motivator piece of that. And last but not least, a manager is evaluated on their success or their failure if they have developed that person for their next role. Again, wait a minute. HR is not in charge of the succession plan? Well, maybe, right? We can help out. We can help figure out what those paths look like, figure out what the relevant skills are, figure out how to assess those skills, what development tools we have to help them move up. Like We are right there partnering with them along the way in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Whatever they need, we're helping them out. But that manager, at the end of the day, is on the hook for developing that person to take on their next role. And if they are not ready for that next role, that's not because HR is screwed up. That's not because we recruited the wrong person necessarily. It's not because the employee is you know, floundering. Maybe they are. But that manager is in the middle of that, and they are on the hook for it. I love those three things. Managers are connectors, they're motivators, and they are developers. You, know, you always want to look at things from the sense of what you're able to accomplish for your people and fit your practices to them. Um, another thing that I'll say is that when I go to the Great Place to Work events, um, a lot of times, you've got a lot of people there, they're all from great companies, and they'll pick a company maybe that's close by that'll let us do a tour of their facility. So we'll all go over to, you know, wherever and get to go inside and see their place and see how they do it. And of course, they're showing all their best. And it's always so impressive, you know? And I'm always thinking, we can't do that. Um, and we can't do that. And we can't do that. We can't do that because we're so ruled by the government. But then I remember, oh yeah, we're number one and they're number 47. Those things are not, <laughs> those things are not what you have to have to make a great place to work. They're fun and they're cool and they're wonderful to see and they look really great on paper. But when your employees are going in and they're talking about what is it like to work here, if they've got a lot of you know, confusion and bad stuff going on too, that's what they're gonna talk about. So you don't have to have all of that to create a great place to work. You have to catch on to how do I create a great place to work where my employees want to come every day. I believe that people want to bring their best. They want to do their best. You just need to uh, provide them the way to do that and the atmosphere in which they can do it. All right, this is the last one from Juanita, and I think it's one of the coolest ones. Um, it kind of wraps up and puts a bow on what I said earlier. You can't copy the things that they're doing and hope for the best. <laughs> you saw, you, you heard, sorry, you heard how loud the audience laughed and how, how much they enjoyed when she said, wait a minute, we're number one, they're number 47. Why am I thinking that they're better than us? Because they're doing these things, right? Every company has a different approach. Every company has a different version of this, right? When, when the company I worked for years ago, we were a best place to work in the Huntsville area, right? And what what got me is we didn't have any of those really cool flashy things that a company would win somewhere else for. 
we just really listened to and cared about the things our people needed from us. So don't try to be a best place to work by copying the things that you're hearing from others. That's just a reminder. We see the news all the time. Here's what Google's doing for their employees, or here's what Amazon's doing now. And we feel pressured and compelled to try to follow that to compete with them. And there's not a reason to do that, right? They might be doing that in one area, but in other areas, they're weak. They're struggling. They're having issues. Okay, so don't think that because you're getting the highlights reel of all the best things they're doing that they are that you need to compete with that. So, the the point there from Juanita that I really like, she said, "Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to be perfect. Okay, you're gonna screw it up. We're human. We're people. We're HR people, uh, to say the least. So, that's one thing. Don't try to be perfect, but do try to create a space where employees want to come to work." I believe the same thing she does. I believe people want to come to work. If we create the right space, the right, the right environment, people can't wait to be there and be at their most creative, to be their best. Um, some of the research actually says that when people are engaged at work and they're on a team that they're excited to work with, they are something like nine times more likely to say that they that work brings out their most creative ideas, their most their most innovative thoughts. Whereas someone working for an organization where they're not cared for, they're not appreciated, they're not engaged, they're not working on a team that they feel like they're connected to, those people, they're 9%. 9% of those people say that they are bringing their best to work. They're able to create their most innovative and creative ideas at work. Right? We're getting the most out of our people when we create the space, the environment that they want to come to. And that's not just on us. I talked with the managers a minute ago. They're a piece of this puzzle as well. But we need to take some ownership of this, crafting this culture, crafting this employee experience that people are so excited about coming to work. I'll make sure and get the link to Intuitive's website there in the show notes. You can check out the company website if you want to learn more with them. I'll include a link to a video I did recently, a short four-minute video, where I talked about some of their ideas, their secrets, their tricks, some other quotes from them, uh, from this session, different ones that I did not pull in for this. The The blog post is called Five Secrets for How to Be a, Be- a Great Place to Work. And I talk about some of those other things. One of the things that I got that I mentioned in that video, I, I have to mention it here because I love it, to wrap this, wrap this up, put a bow on it, to give you an idea of how we can create a bigger picture, a bigger vision, a bigger mission and reason for being than just come to work, do a task, get paid, go home and get on with your life. Let's try to make this more meaningful and impactful for the employees and for the broader world. This is Intuitive, their 20th anniversary. Happy anniversary, Intuitive. 20 years and you're doing great things, obviously. This year, they have challenged every one of their employees to celebrate that 20th anniversary by doing 20 random acts of kindness. And what they're going to do is they've, she's been hearing from people saying, I might have done some of these things just because I, I want to give or I want to be kind or I want to do something nice. But because you have put this idea in my head, 20 acts of kindness this year, I've been looking for other opportunities to do extra things just because it's been top of mind for me. And that's an example of how we can encourage people to be at their best, not just when they're sitting there in their cubicle or in their office or on the shop floor, but when they're outside the walls of the business, they're looking for ways to be doing kind things in addition to doing it in the workplace, obviously. Let's hope they're spending some of those 20 random acts of kindness in the workplace too. We can all use that and we appreciate that. 
So uh, that what's interesting, that wraps in. We're going to be doing an interview, or I'm doing an interview, uh, looking forward to publishing it very soon with Beth Hearn. She's actually an HR manager, and one of the things that we talked about in the interview is that she actually used to do these things called culture books at her company, where once a year, they wrap together all their pictures, all the fun you know, stories and things for the employees, and at once a year, they would just share this out with their people as a reminder of, here's how far we've come as an organization this year how far you've come as a person this year, the kind of fun things and memories we've shared together because we are, we spend too much time together to not enjoy it and not participate and enjoy that experience. So that was a a really cool story. And it's an example of how if we're doing 20 random acts of kindness, we can do that and and share that out in in a different kind of format so that everybody gets the benefit of that. Everybody gets to be excited about that. Everybody gets to share in that enjoyment. So I hope you enjoyed the, the lessons today, the episode, the conversation, not much of a conversation, more of me sharing with you and all of us hearing from Juanita and some of her amazing experiences over the last 30-ish years of, of working in HR. I'm so, so thankful to be able to share some of her story. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you next time. This has been Eubanks, your host at We're Only Human.